0: If the Bible's got you tied in knots, if you're burdened with religious thoughts,
1: come grab a drink and join the choir, it's Heretic Happy Hour.
2: Oh yes, guys. Oh, it's so good to be back. Uh, Welcome to the Heretic Happy Hour podcast. I am one of your three co-hosts. My name is Keith Giles. I'm the author of several books, including uh, the most recently released Jesus Undefeated, Condemning the False Doctrine of Eternal Torment. makes a great gift for your, your grandma, your grandpa. They'll love it. Um, And uh, we are kicking off or not kicking off. I guess we're continuing um, a series right now. It's let, let's get metaphysical. So we're talking about like, you know, all kinds of interesting, cool, uh, metaphysical, spiritual kind of stuff. Uh, Can't wait to jump into this topic. Uh, today, but before we do that, I still need to have uh, my co-hosts introduce themselves. So Jamal and Matt, say hi, please.
3: Hi, friends. This is Jamal. Uh, it's great to be back on the Heretic Capar with you guys. I'm the author of Living for a Living, the newly my newest book that's been released on both audio, kin- uh, audio Kindle, and print. And so uh, it's great to be back with you guys. This is a co- special. Well, not a special. We're we're still in our series on the, the metaphysical series, but we are. Just for the listeners, so they should know that we're not, we are practicing social distancing here because we're not, we're more than six feet apart physically. So I just wanted to say that. Hey, another thing I wanted to mention before we move on to Matt, I just, um, I just realized this after listening to the intro theme. There is somebody in the background of that intro theme when the music plays. Somebody is actually like pretending to be a bass guitar. They're going like, boom, boom. I never knew. I never actually knew that until just, just recently. It's interesting sound. I don't know. if... Oh, I want to listen to it again, but like it's there's somebody actually making a bass noise in the background instead of the. Not
2: right now. No. Okay, right now. If the Bible's got- no,
3: Can you hear it? I
0: can't. No.
2: Yeah, I, I heard it. I can't
3: bong, hear shit. Boom.
0: Boom. Oh, no, sorry. Not good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, that makes me Matt. Uh, as Jamal alluded to, there would be a, a third host. But I got to correct you, Keith. You guys are my co-hosts. I, we're not your co-hosts.
2: Oh, so, I'm sorry. You're
0: right. Shots fired. <laughs> uh, <I'm> probably- <laughs> oh, man. Now,
2: now it finally comes out. Okay. Yes.
0: There you go. So anyway, yeah, we are practicing our social distancing. I <gasps> uh, hope everyone is doing well in the middle of this uh, lockdown. Um, but if you are in the middle of this lockdown, What better time to get healthy? I just posted something about this on Facebook. You know, if we're stuck at home and now's not the time to panic, so get healthy, get your body healthy and order from Wild Foods at wildfoods.co because you want to take good supplements, you want to eat good, healthy foods because it's, it's just you feel better. You have uh, if you boost your yeah you if, want
2: to boost your immune system. That's yeah. right,
0: and and you got to boost your immune system because you know why not? It's going to help, especially in the midst of a virus. But even if this virus wasn't going around, like it's it's always there's never a better time than right now. So go make sure you order their adaptogenic mushrooms. Make sure you order the turmeric, um, and it doesn't have that nasty taste. So if you're taking that, if you if you don't like the the flavor of turmeric. uh Theirs does not taste nasty, so go order some of that. Uh, you could throw some of those uh, mushrooms in your coffee. It's like cocoa flavored. Uh, they're doing all the good kind of stuff that's going to get your body healthy, and you're going to save money because you're a listener of the Heretic Happy Hour, and so you've got a code. It's Happy Hour twelve one two. The numbers digits one two. Happy Hour twelve for twelve percent off your order. So when you are ready to check out, quiet down, children. Quiet down. A man's talking. Um, that was a joke. Uh, you go to you go check out and you will get 12% <laughs> off your order because that's how much we love y'all. So wildfoods.co, go do that.
2: Yeah, we love you 12%. <laughs> <laughs> that means we don't talking. love you 88. No.
0: If my math's correct, we, we, we despise you 88%. Yes, yeah, we, yes. we got
2: together. We talked about it. We decided we love you. Uh, how much do we love you guys? We know what? 12%. Yeah, that's good.
3: That's right. Also, and, and by the way, this is a great time. And I've said this in other places. I really do feel like it's a great time to focus on what matters, <clears throat> you know, during this, this uh, quarantine that we have to be, um, or we get to be, I would say, I should say we get to be spending more time with our family and more time just focusing on health. And also, so, uh, you know, our producer wanted us to mention that this is also a great time to make babies as well. So physical touch things. Oh you know, oh. like it's also it's very good for the immune system. There's so many studies that oxytocin and dopamine and all these things are released in the body mm-hmm. with physical touch. So, you know, don't be afraid of that during this time. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> also, also.
0: So
2: yeah, they sell, they sell organic coconut oil, right? Wild dudes.
0: They, I think so. I, I think they that do coconut be- oil. Just saying it can be
2: sort of like
0: Just a, yeah,
2: like a personal lube kind <clears throat> of thing. Just, Just saying. saying. Man, Man.
3: I don't know about all that. Just looking out for you guys. You know? Leave it to Keith. Goodness. Well, <clears throat> I also here here's something I noticed recently. Um, the the frequency of breaking news stories typically happens between the days of Monday through Friday. I've noticed that. So breaking urgent news typically doesn't happen on the weekends, but so that was an interesting note. But with that said, we do have breaking news or the appearance of breaking news. And that is that we have a hotline. Hotline. We have a hotline that's available 24-7. And um, again, this is always breaking news for us. So I'll give you the number. It's 240-343-7379. Again, 240-343-7379. And you can not only leave a voicemail, which you can, you can text it. And we do have a text that's come in. So let's cue that up. All right, here's the text quote. Hey, fellas, I discovered your podcast while asking the question, what makes Jesus so special? I've listened to 15 or so episodes and have learned a lot that has helped ease my mind. So thank you. I do have a question. I'm confident that letting go of judgment of what is wrong and right and basing actions off of Jesus example. Love God, love people as a guide until I remember some of the abuse done quote unquote, in love from family members. So who decides what is loving and what is harmful when it comes to things like child abuse, sexual abuse, etc., It seems like what is deemed culturally acceptable or in parentheses or acceptable within a religious group changes how we feel about things on a moral level. And that's scary. Is it subjective? Do we change where our line is placed as our consciousness shifts? Thanks. Amanda Gardner. Wow, that's a great, that was actually a really, really good question. Yeah, I
0: I feel like an an entire episode could be done on something like that. Um, It it is a great question because some of the arguments you get against like saying God is love, for instance, is that, well, you're talking about your feelings about love rather than like this quote unquote biblical love. And, you know, people can define love uh, in so many different ways if they want to. I think experientially we know what is and is not love. Experientially we know that child abuse or any sort of abuse isn't love. Uh because love love, I think by its by its definition would not be coercive in any sort of way. Uh in that way. Um if you wanted to get real biblical about it, I think uh a great example of Jesus' love for people is uh when he returns after his resurrection. And he approaches these really scared disciples in John 20. And he's talking about the Holy spirit. And I, I mean, I mean, it, it, when people talk about the Holy spirit, this is where I go is that he breathes the Holy spirit and it's in the spirit of grace and mercy and forgiveness. And mm-hmm. so if it doesn't look like that, it doesn't look like the love of God or the spirit of God. Yeah. I don't know. What are your guys' thoughts?
2: Uh, yeah, I agree. I think, um, <clears throat> I will agree on this that, um, I do think there is a problem in Christianity um, because I do see people playing fast and loose with definitions of love. In other words, uh, you know, I've I've seen Christians justify standing with a sign saying "God hates fags" and saying, "Oh, I'm just I'm just expressing the love of God." Sure. Um, And I would disagree with that. I think the example of what what is love, the way Jesus means it, especially when Jesus says, um, "You know, love God and love others." Jesus even takes the the other step and says that we should love one another as I have loved you, right? So we really need to take a step back and say, what are the ways, let's look at the ways Jesus loves us. And it's not coercive. It's not manipulative. It's not, um, in other words, Jesus isn't looking for what he can personally get out of it, how he can manipulate us or exploit us, right? It's always for our good. And it's always even at his own expense. Like he is suffering, he is giving up something um, so that he can bring us something good. And I think a real simple test that I've used uh, in those kinds of examples, if we really aren't sure, if we are kind of confused about well what is love, um, I would just say, if you know, ask the person, ask the other person if they feel loved, and if they if they don't, then you're not doing it right. Like if if someone says, you know what, I feel very loved by what you're doing, then good. Now then you are loving them. But if they feel if they feel controlled or judged or manipulated or exploited or any of these other things. I don't care what you say you're doing. Uh, They're not receiving it as love. And I would say that isn't
3: love. Mm. Good thoughts there, guys. I I think um, what I would tell somebody, I mean, I think the question is interesting question. It's great question. Um, The question, basically what I hear this, the caller or Amanda Gardner, what I hear her asking um, is, is there anything solid? Is there anything that we can know for sure? Because as consciousness shifts, things seem to shift. And I would, in, I would say yes. Um, there is something solid. I would always, I would even say that you already know what's real. You already know what's true. Um, and so, I don't think it's subjective at all. Now, I think our awareness. So, I think, I think there's certain realities of love that are that we become awakened to. And then we recognize, oh my goodness, um, that wasn't loving at all. But at the time we thought it was. So there is a standard of love that love is, it exists. It is who you are at the core of your being. You are love. So the more a person gets reconnected to you at at, at a source level, the more you recognize what love is. And then you'll start to recognize, oh yeah, that's exactly what Jesus was talking about. Um, but if a, if you don't if a person doesn't know themselves if a person isn't connected to the core of their being then they either they will be manipulated by religious groups teachings doctrines that tell you this is how you are to be loving and even the words of the bible and even the words of jesus can be abused when you are disconnected from your mm-hmm. own essence so yeah. i would encourage people to say yeah i would encourage you to say yeah there is a it's not subjective however you already know what is not subjective. You already know what is rock solid. You already know what the essence of love is, and that is you. It's the core of your being, and so uh, that's all you have to worry about. You can't answer for what other people think. To whatever definitions people are holding a group out there, whatever it doesn't matter. Its question is, what do you know? And you already know. And if you look at the teachings of Jesus, Jesus would all would appeal back to what we already know. He would say, if you being kind of twisted in your mindset, know how to be a loving parent if your child asks you for a you know, for mm-hmm. something to eat you. He's peeling appealing what he's doing there is appealing back to what you already know about love to increase that understanding. And I would, I would encourage you to do that. Go back to what you already know at the core of your being about love. Cause you know a lot about love already.
0: Yeah. Good, good, yeah. good thoughts guys. Um, do we, uh, am I right? Do we have a voicemail
1: now? We
3: do. We do.
1: Hey guys, uh, this is Dennis Kimball. I'm a long time listener, first time caller. And I just want to start off by, uh, Just saying how much I enjoy listening to you guys, you know, your podcast, you all bring just really great insight, um, each from a different direction. I've also enjoyed, you know, using some of Jamal's uh, life coaching um, services that he provides as well. So I just really appreciate you guys. I really love the direction you guys are going now with this um, metaphysical series. And I love the podcast you just did with Katie Valentine. I really think you're tapping into really where the whole deconstruction process really needs to move. Um, you know, when you you look at what ancient cultures going back, you know, thousands of years and what mystics have been saying way back then, and now science, what it's starting to show us, it's all interesting how it's all starting to integrate. You know, the, the mystics and the cultures of the past, would speak of this world as a dream. And scientists now are starting to discover, to their dismay, that a lot of that is true. Some are even showing how it seems to be like a simulation. Um, scientists are showing that consciousness is fundamental. The physical world is not fundamental. It's consciousness that's fundamental. There is no physical world out there. It's all a projection. The external is a manifestation of the internal, uh, one mind. You know, we're there's God, and we are with God, seated in the heavenlies, and we are on this crazy dream projecting separation, and we're just needing to wake up from this separation. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask is if you guys uh, might ever cover a show on like near death experiences. Um, a man by the name of Raymond Moody did a tremendous amount of research over many decades and it's interesting regardless of people's past their religious affiliation or no affiliation um, at all the similarities and experiences they came back with.
3: Oh uh, yes, that was Dennis. <clears throat> that was a listener by the name, of Dennis, Dennis, my man, uh, man, I, I, first of all, I'm, I love what, what he was saying in the the voicemail. So good. So good. I'm glad actually. so, Dennis, thank you for your call. Thank you for all your um, uh, your, your comments there. Um, basically, I'm so glad that you called with this because this is exactly what we're going to be doing the show about, which is fantastic. Yeah.
2: How do you know so, that? I mean, what are um, the odds? He, he's right on.
3: I don't know. You know, it, it's actually spot on timing. We just, you know, had our interview with Dr. Katie Valentine, and now uh, we get to launch into our episode. Which is all about NDEs, but before we get to that, Mm -hmm. right? um, I do want to address one thing that he said um, before we get to our our next segment, Um, and that is um, there is a book compiled by he talked about Dr. Raymond Moody, and that's a fantastic book, and it compiles about a hundred or so folks that he did like like he clinically uh, he had researched that these folks had been clinically dead and and had experiences that that went beyond you know, they were verifiable experiences that went beyond. And so he compiles them in a the book. He's been doing like pioneering work on it when it comes to NDEs for, um, for a long time, you know, since the seventies. But I just, I just recently went through that book and read that book and it's fantastic. Um, this isn't a subject dear to my heart anyway. So, yeah. um, well, that's,
0: that's, uh, we're gonna have to get into that, but we cannot, we cannot forget about our dear friends who are going to be. And I said, friends, plural, that, uh, we got a heretic of the week first.
4: It's the heretic of the week. Hi there, I'm Andre Robert.
5: Mary Ann.
4: And yes, we heretics.
0: <laughs> Hi, Hi Andre, Andre and Marianne. Marianne. <laughs> Welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. It's been so long, uh since I've talked to you guys. So Really excited to have you as our Heretics of the Week, plural this time, which is, uh, we've only done that once, so it's uh, it's a blessing to have two people on at once, so welcome. Thank
2: yeah, you. Welcome. Actually, um, yeah, so, yeah, I was going to yeah, say, I, I talked to Andre, like, I think yesterday, or two days ago, so <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not been that long for me to talk to Andre, but yeah, and my first time talking to you, Marianne, so yeah, this has been great. Thank think- you guys for, for being on. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Thank you. So what we'd like to do to kick off these interviews is ask our guests, why, uh, why do people consider you heretics?
4: Okay. Um, you know what, the, I, uh, I think whenever you, mm, whenever you say something specific, I think there is going to be people who get that safe effect. And, um, we've, uh, we certainly don't go out or, or enjoy just offending people for the, for the fun of it or the mm-hmm. sake of it. Our, our whole goal is, you know, to, to um, encourage, love. to inspire. But, you know, even in those terms, some people find it very offensive that God is love and God is not manipulative. God is good. Only etc. So I guess whenever you say something specific and you say it with persuasion, there's gonna be some um <laughs> some exactly. disagreement. Yeah.
2: Yeah, isn't, that, wait, isn't wait. that it's strange to me that people are offended and afraid of the idea that God is love. Isn't that weird? But it
0: says but it says it in the Bible. Come on now. <laughs> oh,
2: but 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 brother, it also says that God is a God of wrath. Don't forget. We have to make sure we We always, always add that in, right?
4: Yeah. And I guess, you know, part of that comes down to that attitude that truth can only be expressed in one way, in one story, in one narrative. And if your terminology or your way of articulating a specific concept doesn't conform to the way in which, you know, I've been brought up or, the way my religious cult have indoctrinated me with then you must be a heretic, mm-hmm. and I guess one of the one of the most beautiful things we've we've discovered over the past few years is there's more than one way to tell a story mm-hmm. and and truth has got many beautiful angles and, and there's dimensions to this narrative that we we find ourselves in that. That's so beautiful, and to flatten it to a one-dimensional story that can only be told in one way is really so boring. Um, so I guess that, that aspect of there's, there's more angles to truth yeah. than what you've been taught, that, that, that's probably a major reason why why people w- would um, consider others heretics. mm mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I, it's just odd to me. I mean, um, I I don't understand why. Like, whenever I, whenever I talk about God being love, um, uh, you know, it's like it's like Christians are more offended by the idea that God is absolute love than they are offended by the idea that God would torture his children forever. I don't understand
4: yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. It is. I think that, you know, we can think back of a time where I grew up in the evangelical world where I can so- somehow grasp or try and remember that situation in which I believed both God was love and that he was going to torture people forever. And really the only way you deal with it is you re- you ignore it. You kind of Mm -hmm. bury it so deep and you avoid any meaningful discussion around it because you instinctively know it's so contradictory that I've got to embrace the most ridiculous notion of mystery to believe it both Mm -hmm. because it's actually not a mystery to believe both is true. That's just nonsense. There's um, there's a difference between nonsense and mystery.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and, uh, you, you have children, correct?
5: Yeah, we've got two.
0: And, and, and you're married. So it's, it's one of those things that, and I'm married and and have a child and Keith same. Um, Yeah. yeah. So, so you guys, you guys mentioned that obviously having children and, um, being married, and our, our, our experiences kind of help shape and mold our, our theology and our worldviews. Has there been um, some other major events in your, oh, we could loosely call deconstruction, that seems to be the buzzword these days, that, uh, that have helped, helped you move from a place of uh, maybe evangelicalism or some sort of fundamentalism to where you are today?
4: You know, I don't think there's anything that transforms our theology more than an experience of God. Um, Mm. And even as we started traveling, you know, as missionaries very early on when we were 18 years old and then in later life again, the experience of God always seemed to be better than what my theology allowed. Yeah. and um, I was I was in this place where I have to choose do I just shut down the experience or do I allow this experience to transform my theology? And so there's been, there's been many experiences on that road where, where God has really surprised us, overwhelmed us. Um, with, I think it was the, the, um, the philosopher Jean-Luc Marion that spoke about saturated experience or phenomena, as he called it. And he referred to an event and the experience of that event that is larger than our capacity to receive, that is larger than our language. It transgresses the borders of our concepts. Mm. And um and it's an event, an experience that you can never neatly get a hold of and And master, it's always an event that masters you. It reminds me of Paul saying, it's not that I have attained, but for the rest of my life, I'm going to try and get a hold of what got hold of me. And um, if your experience of God is something that you've absolutely mastered, that you can articulate perfectly and that you're in control of, then you have undoubtedly not experienced God. You've experienced your concept of God. You've mastered your philosophy of God. But God himself remains an overwhelmingly extravagant, larger gift than what we could ever master. And in the attempt to receive this gift, it expands our capacity and and it draws our language into dimensions that they haven't been drawn in before. Mm. And so I have always appreciated that aspect of of allowing our words not to become so rigid Mm. and our doctrines to not become so defined Mm. that they restrict the movement of God's spirit, which is larger than our language. There's been, there's been many experiences for us. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, one of the experiences a few years ago, we were, uh, for about seven years, we were constantly traveling every week in a different place, speaking to a new group. And on one of those tours, we found ourselves in the Netherlands, and we had about a week between appointments, which we always tried to find a week between ministry, a week per month where we could just be with one another and try and be normal before we be with the next group. And um, we saw this weak gap between our last appointment in the Netherlands and our first appointment in Switzerland. So we decided it would be fun to maybe cycle. It was only 1,600 kilometers. <laughs> only. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> good.
2: <laughs> Just for a trip.
4: <laughs> and <you> know, <laughs> We haven't practiced for it. We didn't cycle since we were teenagers at that stage. But in uh, any case, the people we stayed with, made had a bit and breakfast, and they generally – offered just the bicycles that they lent to guests to go to the shops and back (laughs) for us to use. Well, thankfully, at our last meeting, um, uh, a friend came to us and said, I I hear you want to cycle to Switzerland. He said, I've got touring bikes that, uh, you know, I bought because my wife and I decided wanted to do that. But after we, rode for about half an hour. She decided, this is not for me. And the bikes <laughs> has been in the garage ever since. So we actually had some good bikes.
2: Mm-hmm. And
4: um, I'm getting to the spiritual relevance to this. I'm <laughs> okay, just sitting at okay. the back <laughs> thank, thank you. <laughs> so uh, we started cycling. What a beautiful adventure. I think after about four or five days, we did about 100 kilometers a day. And um, we we knew that it, we wouldn't make it in time to Switzerland, so we decided we'll take a train. After the first like four five hundred kilometers, we did. So that evening, Marianne and myself went to a, a pub nearby, and we had a Rattler. It's a real um, refreshing German drink. And it's like a beer shandy, I think is what you'll call it. Mm-hmm. In the and uh, we were sitting back and clinking our glasses and celebrating the five days of fun we had. And the yellow jacket hornet came and sat on Marianne's back and started stinging. She oh, she just she leaned back and she shouted with pain. I just immediately hit it and broke it in half did take. Half the hornet out mm-hmm.
5: their back. And it
4: carried ah. on stinging. It carried on stinging. Yeah. Oh my so God. the way oh. he came running with some ice, put the ice on. Uh, she'll tell the actual story of what happened. I, I'm just setting it up. But we put the ice on. The pain went back. And as we walked to our Airbnb room, um, we went Stop. into a little shop mm-hmm. just to get water. And that's when. Marianne suddenly realized something else is happening
5: yeah so immediately my my heart started just throbbing and my head felt like it was going to explode and then I lost feeling in my fingers and I thought okay something's going on here I didn't immediately even relate it to that um, and so I just shouted out to Andre antihistamine <laughs> and so he kind of as he started running off into the distance to to try and look for that. Um, apparently, when he returned, I was on the floor unconscious.
4: So uh, so to chip in yeah, they didn't have antihistamine in the shop, so I was going to run over the road to our cases, to our room to get the antihistamine there. As I ran out, I just asked one of the staff members to please call 911, which they did.
5: And so... So I can maybe explain to you, if we, I'll, I'll go backwards and forwards. So what happened in that moment when I lost consciousness, it was like the slipping out of consciousness into the most magnificent embrace. And I just felt like I'm surrounded with light and with love, just mm. surrounded, round and round and round. And in that moment, there was not a sense or an Inch of fear. It was just such peace and such a belonging and knowing that I'm loved. And so maybe I'll skip ahead and, because it was later that Andre started asking me what I experienced, but I had. Shall I, I, was,
4: shall I fill it in just a, yes, a little detail okay. So I, I ran back, Marianne's unconscious on the floor. Um, I've got to kind of slap her awake and this precious little. German girl that worked at the cashier was just shouting, no, no, you come back. Mm. Uh, And she kind of woke up enough for me to pop some pills in her mouth, throwing water. But it's as if she came from a three-dimensional world into a flat world. She came back and just kind of was totally shocked, pushing in all directions. At that moment, the emergency services arrived because they were just a block away, and they gave her, like, the adrenaline shots, et cetera, and then we went to hospital.
5: But it was – and uh, while I was in the ambulance uh, on the way, my organs started shutting down, and so it was basically was anaphylactic shock, which I found out later. Um, Mm. And they – I, I basically came around when they'd administered everything in the hospital and Andre came to me and, you know, he was holding my hand. And I said to him, I was gone. And so he said, yeah, I know you were unconscious. But I said, no, I was in a beautiful place. And <laughs> he suddenly realized um, how, you serious know, how serious it was. Place. And um, he he started asking questions. That, that's Andre. <laughs> question: I was, I could hardly talk at that time. I, I was uh, trying to, you know, i trying to get words out but of I my I want mouth.
4: to know: was it the city or was it the country? <laughs> who was
0: there?
5: Did you see? And it was quite precious because at the moment where he said who was there, and I kind of just turned to him and went, "You were there, silly." You know, kind of, it was just a given and. And he, he just broke down because he realized, you know, from his perspective, he'd lost me. But from my wow. perspective, there was wow. no difference between us. And um, I think what it really, when I was trying to find words to describe afterwards, it was like I was suddenly aware of the most magnificent color and movement. But it wasn't like it was somewhere else, some other time. It was like it was right here right now, but everything came alive and everything that was temporal kind of just disappeared and what was love remained. And And how to describe love's embrace, I just, when I came around, I just wanted to love everyone. Mm. I was like, every moment that I'm in this body, I am going to love every person everything. And so yeah. I started with the paramedics that were there and I was hugging them eventually that the apparently the hospital said, You better test her for drugs. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: drink,
4: oh,
5: ain't no high like most high. Eh? <laughs> and um, I, I think you know when when we've spoken about it as well afterwards, um
4: well that was quite funny as well because mm-hmm. we were we were on the train the next day. It was during a heat wave.
5: I didn't know what's funny.
4: Well, that night, oh my goodness, that was the Airbnb from hell, but we, we oh. didn't sleep. But the next day on that train, you know, it's train heading through Germany yeah, to, to Switzerland. Carry
5: your bikes upstairs with luggage. And,
4: and we were sitting in the train, and I, you know, for the first time, you. Kind of allow yourself to feel what happened, because in the middle of the situation, I just need to keep calm, decide what to do, run for the pulls, phone, even you know you don 't feel the whole situation, and suddenly, as we were sitting on the train, and we it's one of those experiences that's larger than your capacity to receive in the moment yeah. it actually yeah. continues to unfold and yeah. And so on this train journey, we were both trying to find words for, for what we experienced. And I looked over to Mary Ann and just realized I, it was so close. I could have sat on this train today on my own. Mm. And um, mm. the magnitude of the moment and the gratitude to just look at her and realize. Do you here? <laughs> I just started bawling to the great discomfort of all our
5: German passengers. Our, our, our
4: German, <laughs> challenged passengers. <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah. The, yeah, but was, it's
5: amazing as well, you know, even just speaking about the experience afterwards, which, you know, in some ways people were surprised, but I, I just, was just filled with gratitude. And I think that's something that you know, if we, we can reinterpret events in our past, in our, you know, things that happen in our lives, gratitude can transform that moment into something that just transforms the meaning of that event in your life. And, um, and I think in terms of even our experience here and now of love, you know, I've, I've, I've heard people speaking about, oh, you know, certain visions they've had of heaven and French toast in heaven that never quite taste the same on earth again. you know, we spoiled that kind of impression that um, somehow this existence devalued, is devalued yeah. and this one. moment is devalued. And I really believe that that God wants to transform our moment into one, of love and light mm-hmm. and right. and life and you know that this moment is significant because you are here and you have
4: access to yeah. all of God. If and that's exactly what that experience that it enriched our appreciation and enjoyment of this world here and now. Mm-hmm. I think the kind of spirituality that boasts in seeing all kinds of heavenly visions that somehow devalues this world and this flesh and this experience is basically just a pathetic attempt to set people up as some spiritual gurus that Mm that um, feeds off the sense of insufficiency of those who listen to them. And that's what Paul kind of warns about, mm-hmm. about those who boast in having seen angels and these things. It, 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 they right. boast in it because they're they just trying to uh, uh, really tap into people's sense of lack and then Same manipulate them with yeah. their doctrines. think Yeah. I think an authentic experience of God and of, of these spiritual realms will always bring you back to and the rich. incredible beauty that's right here mm. and right now. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah,
5: and exactly. I, I think, you know, if we, something I took away from that moment as well was just my appreciation for all of life has changed. You know, I see in that moment where suddenly the here and now transformed into the most magnificent movement and color. It was like this earth, this creation is throbbing for, you know, to be appreciated and to to for us to realize that God is here in our midst yes. and yes. that all of creation is incarnation and richness. Of life and yeah. if we'll just open our eyes to it,
1: yeah. it's
5: yeah,
2: available. I, I love. That. Thank you so much for for pointing that out. I think it's it is true. Like we miss the fact that we already live in a paradise. We already live in the presence of God. And mm-hmm. uh, and I, honestly, I think that's one of the things that I, I've been really. It's really helped me. I mean, I haven't had an amazing experience like you have had. Uh, that's um, that's pretty incredible. But but uh, what's helped me is to recognize like when Jesus talks about. Um, you know, he says, If you love me, my father and I will love you, and we will come and make our home in you. We're like, well, how do we define heaven? Well, heaven is where wherever God is and we're with him. Yeah. And what Jesus <laughs> says is that, well, heaven is in you. Like it's you you yeah. can't be closer to God than you are at this moment. And yeah. recognizing that, it's like suddenly you recognize that, oh, I'm not waiting for anything. I'm not I'm not postponing you know, this, uh, anything in the future. It's like, no, I can experience all of that right now. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. after I'm dead, I'll experience it in a, in a deeper way or in a different way, but yeah. it's not as if I'm, I'm separated from experiencing that at this moment. Exactly. We always open to surprise. Well,
0: wow, that, I mean, that was such a beautiful story and I've heard it before, but I, I think I only heard it. Um, well, I quote unquote heard it when you guys wrote it and I think it was on Facebook. But just hearing you talk about it was so profound, and especially at a time like this, um, in in what's going on in the world, like just to hear that God is God is in our midst, and every I mean, I mean, there's beauty everywhere, and just the deep sense of appreciation and gratitude for life as such. And I think more people need to hear that and be reminded of that. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's just such a such a powerful, powerful story. So, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, but before we wrap up, we want to definitely give our listeners a chance to be able to get in contact with you or follow your work, and uh, want to know where people can do that. And also, if you're working on anything, uh, please let people know about that so that they can uh, anticipate. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, get getting you know getting their hands on some of your work.
4: Okay. Well. The latest work that just came out a few months ago is a book called Creative Chaos, and I think it is more relevant now than, than ever before. To to realize that God, there's not the way God deals with chaos is not to to make it an enemy. If we look at Genesis one, He actually hovers. Over the depth, over that abyss, uh, and and begins to call forth the beauty, the the possibilities that, that is present within it. And so, creative chaos. You can just search for that on on Amazon. Our website is called Always Loved with a D at the end dot net. And there's a lot of you know free resources and articles, videos, and things available there as well as on, on YouTube you can just say it's for always loved. Um yeah Marianne's got some music on, on YouTube mm-hmm. as well. But and the, and it's on all the website, yeah too. it's all on the website. One of the things that we're really excited about and I'll just take half a minute to, to introduce that is we we have an academy that runs a year long program. Um We've got two courses. Both of them are year-long. The first one is called the Mimetic Transformation Program. Mm-hmm. And the second one is the um, Mimetic... Uh, I, know, <laughs> I just kind of forgot the word that, the, the <laughs> word that I have there. But that uh, Academy is what the, the website is called um uh, and the the first, the second one is called the mimetic conversion program so the the difference between the two programs is just one the conversion one retells the whole meta story while the transformation program is a much more personal in depth uh, study of mimesis and how by the transformation of our desires, God, uh, our whole person and our whole self is transformed. We've just finished our first course this year, which was on um, meditation. And there um, yeah, are some powerful you know, testimonies and experiences coming out of it. So I would love for people to have a look at that. Uh, this year is already full, but something to consider for next year. Yeah. Thank you for that opportunity.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So we encourage our listeners, definitely go check that out. And, um,
2: it sounds yeah,
0: awesome. yeah, totally. Well, yes. Yeah. So thank you so much, y'all. Keith, you got something to uh, say? No,
2: I'm sorry. I was just going to say thank you both so much for what you do for your, your spirit, your heart, your message. Yeah. Um, keep definitely. doing it, man. It's We need it so badly. Um, and it's beautiful yeah. just to see, uh, what God has been doing through your heart to just kind of shine and spread and share the love of, of Jesus to the world. That's awesome.
4: <laughs> awesome. Thank Thanks so Thank Matt, guys. Keith and Matthew. Yeah. Appreciate All it. All
0: right. <laughs> Thanks, y'all. Bye bye.
2: Bye bye. Wow. You uh, know,
0: you know, you know, you know what was so cool? Not only are Andre and Marianne amazing, is that they get to launch us into this episode that jamal is very excited about and i'm gonna say i don't know if i am as excited as you jamal because i don't even know what the hell i'm going to talk about (laughs) me either. i really i I don't i don't know i don't know much about this and i love marianne's story i love all the other stories that um that i've heard out there and i know jamal you're going to probably have some to give to the listeners but I'm just, I'm excited to to hear what you guys have to say because I really, this is one of those ones that's for me, I it's just out in left field.
2: Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I hmm. think um, <clears throat> I'll i will just say, kind of echo what, what Matt is saying is that um, I've done very minimal research myself on this. Like when I was in college, I had a speech class and I did a speech on near-death experience. So I read, a, you know, kind of like did some quick research <clears throat> over the period, a grueling period of like maybe three days and um checked out like 20 books from the library and grabbed a bunch of quotes and uh you know so i know a little bit about it uh and i I am interested in it uh the topic but not as much as jamal i mean jamal you are definitely the expert and i think matt and i are going to probably uh if anything just sort of let you uh lead us into some territory and then maybe he and i can sound off and say you know what we think about what what some of the things are sharing but um I mean, obviously, people have died and come back, and and obviously many people have have had these experiences. Uh, There are similarities to these experiences, and I think that's the thing that is the most interesting and the most fascinating is that of all these different people and different cultures and different backgrounds um, who have had these experiences, there are so many similarities that it starts to make you think it might not be in their head that there may be something common that they really are experiencing something genuine outside of their bodies. But of course there's skepticism about that as well. And I'm sure we'll get into that, but um, I think what, what we want to hear is Jamal, uh, what are your thoughts on this?
3: Oh man, there's so many, I have so many thoughts on NDEs. Um, I, I honestly think that they're a gift uh, for us. Um, they are a, a part of the continue, the continuation of divine revelation that we've, it's just it's a it's it's a further helps us awaken to the illusion that the physical world which is you know honestly no no Christian would say uh no Christian would like to be called a materialist right or you know in that sense of the the modern world of that only thing that exists is what you can see taste touch hear smell you know the five senses um we would call that, that secular humanism in the secular world that that, that right. scientific model, the modern model. No Christian would it. They would say, "Yeah, no, we believe in the spiritual realm and all that kind of thing." But again, NDEs are controversial in the Christian world because we really are attached to the illusion that the physical world, the physical universe, is primary. And again, that is part of the human. Uh, experience that we were having a, an experience, which seems like this is the real world, the world we can taste, touch, see, smell, you know, all those things. But uh, NDE show us that no, actually they help awaken us to the fact that real true life um, exists way beyond the physical realm and that the physical realm is a manifestation of the spiritual realm. So for me, I used to obviously as a, as a evangelical Christian years ago, I would, I would totally disdain any stories of NDEs because they were dangerous to me because uh, the, the fear was, well, if, well, how, what is it? Is this backed up biblically? You know, it, it, in scripture, there's no, like, does this, does the experience of the NDE jive with my theological beliefs? And if it didn't, then, you know, we would say that was a demonic experience or that was a deceptive experience. Whenever we hear people talk about going through the tunnel and experiencing a light, <clears throat> that's what i would you know oh this is a demonic thing where people were being deceived and that was my take on it until i went through a real season of darkness in my own life until i went through personally like i um you know until a point where i didn't even want to live it was just a real season of suffering and what was interesting for me personally <clears throat> was it was at that point where i was shedding and i had the deconstruction process for me had already started so it wasn't like uh, that this was the this this started because it, it was already happening but it, it it was at this moment at my lowest when I really had nothing left to hang on to and I was just didn't even really want to live I literally I can remember the day <clears throat> there was a, there was it was like a, a voice it was like something inside of me that just said you need to start looking into people who have died and who have come back because if you if you look into that you're going to figure out what life's about so I started doing I mean it was just like
2: that was, was just kind of like, that was, that was a demon, right?
3: <laughs> well, that's <not to> me. <laughs> Sorry, right. My, I mean, right. Yeah. my, my experience was, it was, it was kind of like when you're sick in bed and the moment you start to feel better. You ever had that moment where you're like just sick and you, you just, you feel like, like you've been hit by a truck, you have no energy. And all of a sudden that first moment you start to, you start to feel better. That's what it was like for me. It was right. like, it was like, oh my gosh, there was, this, there was this life in me. And I got this almost, um, Indescribable. It's kind of like a writer when they're inspired to write; they just ha- they'll sometimes will sit down at the computer and just write for hours because they're just it's flowing yeah. through them. That's kind of like how yeah. I felt. And I did all this research and I started listening to stories, people, person after person, and it just brought me back to life because of the common. And it wasn't like it was just like feeding my spirit and the the life change and the, what people would discover. And these were people from non-religious backgrounds yeah. to people who had religious backgrounds. To people of different religions, different socioeconomic categories, it didn't matter. They all almost verbatim had the same experiences, the same themes, and their life post-NDE was radically different.
0: What were their their common experiences from the ones that you've read about?
3: Well, a common experience that a person um, would talk about is being uh, aware that they had been here before. So it was a sense of like, oh... Oh yeah, I'm home like this is where they start and they had like a memory it was almost like a knowing, like a remembering oh yeah, I came from here um and then they uh they talked about being aware of unconditional love, a love that they could not they didn't even really know existed and these were some of these people were like they didn't even they weren't even spiritual in any way, shape or form, and they were just aware so at home in this love and just said they didn't want to leave. this was exactly everything they've always wanted and didn't know it they would talk about that that was a very common theme another theme was life review so you know we've heard phrases like my life flash before my eyes but that's where that comes from because at that moment like literally it's like their life gets played out before them and they can act, and they actually experience all the key moments of their life at the same time time is all different and they all experience a common life review and in that they they are aware of the fact that <clears throat> there is no shame there is no judgment there is no condemnation that everything was for learning, and they they become aware of like what love was, what love wasn't, and they it's like a learning experience. Um, and then the other thing for the po- folks that came back, which was all of them that we have accounts of, <laughs> they were told that <laughs> they were told their, they didn't come. Their back, work,
2: they the
3: story, yeah. right? But they some of them were given a choice. Some of them were given a choice to come back. Some of them weren't. Some were told you have to go back. Some were saying you could stay if you want. But they all were told you have work to do there. Your, your work is not complete yet. So you, you, you need, there's, if you go back, you're going to complete, you know, the people who were told they couldn't stay, they were told you, your work is not complete. You have to go back. Right. And they did not want to come back um, because they were so at home in this presence. You know, some of them had, ex- uh, you know, depending on their cultural background, some would see Jesus. If they did not come from a Christian background, they wouldn't. Uh, so it all depended upon what kind of, their religious beliefs were and what their culture was to determine like some of the specifics, but the themes were constant across the board.
2: Yeah. Now I, I wanted to say now, and I, I'm not saying this at all, please hear me. I'm not saying this to discredit any of these indie experiences. However, I do think it's, it's worth at least to, to touching on this and, and mentioning it that, um, that there have been some people who have, you know, reported indie experiences. They've written books, they've gone on Oprah, they've been on, you know, 60 minutes or whatever. And, um, all of that. And then years later have either, either been exposed or some of them that I'm thinking of have flat out just admitted it and confessed it and said, you know what, I made the whole thing up. Uh, it wasn't real. And so now I, and the only reason I bring that up is, is I, I'm not trying to say that this, this doesn't discredit all NDE experiences. Um, but, but some are people wanting to capitalize right on this experience. Um, and I think we need to recognize that, yeah, sometimes some people will uh, have a fake experience or, you know, just do something for the publicity or or to sell books or whatever. Um, but that doesn't mean, but I would say like, we're probably talking that we, that we know of, of the NDEs that, that have been reported, probably less than 1% of them end up being uh, proven to be frauds or, or fakes. And the vast majority of them are people that don't sell write a book. They don't. Um, you know, try to leverage something. They're just like, yeah, this happened to me. I was on the operating table and I was gone for five minutes and I had this experience and here's what happened to me. Right. Yeah, T-
3: totally. And that's why I think books like, like the caller and uh, our, in our voicemail earlier mentioned uh, Dr. Raymond Moody's book. I think those, that's why those, that's a, such a powerful book is because these are, These are, I think, over, and he did research on, and he's done research since that book was published, you know, it was published like in the seventies, but there was over a hundred cases and he's a, you know, he's a doctor. So he, you know, he did his work to make sure that these were, you know, these folks were clinically dead and then they, they're in their accounts. Some of them would tell talk about intimate details of their death that there is no way they could have known. And doctor, the medical professionals were like blown away. Like, how did you know that? Like, yeah. how did you hear that conversation? And they were just, they were like, "As I was there. I saw the whole thing and I watched it. I observed it. And it's just, it's amazing. Uh, when you, and then of course, you know, there's accounts of folks who were blind in this life who had never had sight. And then they, they died and had an NDE and they had perfect sight, describe things they never saw before. Um, perfectly. Mm. Um, you know, what, about,
0: what about what uh, about what about the people that have had bad experiences? Because aren't there those stories yes. too? And maybe those are the fraud, maybe the most of the fraudulent ones. I don't know. Um, I mean, there's people who have, and I'm guessing they're Christian, but I'm sure this happens in other faiths too. Oh,
2: yeah.
0: That have the, have these, and then they come back and like hell is real, and I saw yes. it, and yes. Jesus took me to the precipice, and I looked, and there were you know all the things that Dante would describe. <clears throat> yeah, um, you know what?
2: Can I can I tell you? I actually know a guy who had one of those hellish experiences. Um real? yeah. Uh he's um he was a police officer here in El Paso. <clears throat> this has been like twenty years ago. Uh and he was um he was running in the El Paso Marathon, um, with a bunch of other police officers. And he basically had a heart attack, uh, fell, you know, uh, you know, died basically. The ambulance came, got him. Um and and in the initial experience he had was kind of positive, although it was also a little bit of like uh, he felt a little bit of like fear of like, well, I'm not sure I was ready to die. I'm not sure really, am I right with God? Sort of a thing. And so he was laying in the hospital bed, and um, he could feel himself slipping away. He said he could just feel, and he was kind of relaxing into it. Like, yeah, my time is over. I'm just going to die now. And he's kind of relaxing into it. And he said um, he heard a voice say to him uh, something like, you know, okay, son. Uh, just, you know, uh, relax, I've got you or something like that. And he said, Oh, you know, Jesus, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I can't wait to, I can't wait to see you face to face or something like that. And then the voice, the same voice says, Who told you I was Jesus? And it was kind of a menacing thing, like, Oh, crap. <laughs> like, this isn't Jesus. Like, I'm, and he said, Actually, he opened his eyes and he, he felt like he saw these demons, like these hands coming up out of the ground to pull him in, uh, into hell. And, uh, it, you know, of course scared the crap out of him and he sat up and was, you know, incoherent and yelling at everybody and, you know, help me and save me and all that stuff. So, um, so, I mean, that's, that's someone I know who has sort of a hellish kind of experience like that. And I, I think, you know, I mean, I don't know. What do you think about that, Jamal? What do you think's going on in those situations?
3: Well, I think a couple of things for first, first, um, I'll say this about heaven and hell, heaven and hell. I mean, I don't dispute the existence of heaven and hell, um, but I don't see it the way an evangelical or a Christ, the, the, according to Christian doctrine, you know, right. uh, the belief in hell as a place where God sends people for, for judgment. And it's, it's this eternal torture. place where you get yeah, tortured and all that. That's just, that's just, it's folklore. It's fairy tales, but um, the existence of, of uh of the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of darkness, or this realm of darkness and weeping, gnashing of teeth. These are these are metaphors, these are states of being. And that state, people exist in that state now in life in that sense. But the misnomer is that. So when death happens, here's what's amazing about these NDEs. People almost to a T across the board that have experienced this were shocked that they had died. Because yeah. they were like, wait, I'm dead. Cause they were like, I'm still here. I'm still conscious. Mm-hmm. I still have a sense of being um, that that was the number one thing that was so first of all, it's very peaceful to me. And they in post NDE, every one of these folks said, I'm no longer afraid to die because death is actually an illusion. Because because the, the the fear of death is a fear of a loss of being like you're going to be you're going to cease to exist. And every person said, no, 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 that's not what happens. Like you just. You, it's like a transition and you're very conscious and present for the whole thing. And so I think if a person's state is suffering, just because you transition out of the body doesn't mean that ends. So, you know, that's one thing I think could happen, be explained there. Now a person's religious background will influence your interpretation of the experience right. or a, a conversion to an, so like say somebody, there's been folks that have NDEs and then they get, they are like, well, I need to, they don't have any guidance after that. So they, they go and join a church or become religious and of course that informs their experience their religious beliefs and will inform the experience so there's a lot of that put put on that but one of the things that if you if you start to research ndes and do studies in, uh, across the board with ndes you'll find that hell experiences are almost non-existent almost non-existent um and 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 the ones that are there are are pretty shaky they 're not the common themes um so but I would say that just because you you know even you know suicide and things like that that doesn 't end a state of suffering for folks if you suffer here, you suffer it i don't know the process um, but it goes on life goes on, life moves on. I don't really believe in life after death. That's why I love the title of that book, which is Life After Life. It's just life. Life transitions on. And so there's a learning. There's things we don't know about what happens when we transition out of this, what I call virtual reality that we're living in. Um, hmm. uh, but uh, there's there's learning. There's, uh, and that's another thing that people with NDEs experience, that there's a high value placed upon learning that it's it's it, there's a high value placed within this life, and then also moving on we're we are continually growing and learning, and we're learning about the nature of love of what love is, how it functions, and in the our experience of it. So we've had these experiences these are real rich kind of training ground experiences that teach us what love is, and the only way we can know what love is is by having a human experience or physical experience, which then we take with us beyond into the next whatever it is which does go on. And that's my understanding of NDEs and hell experiences are uh, the evangelical hell experience. uh, The NDEs almost by and large blow the existence of hell out of the water. Folks just simply don't experience it the way we are taught that it exists. And
0: I, and I think if they do, like, I think you're right. Like it's a learning experience. Like um, just because, I mean this, I've never had an NDE, but if I had to guess, if I had to, if I had to wager a guess, it would be that this uncomfortable, quote unquote, hellish experience is something as uncomfortable as it may be, something for us to learn. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you a little bit of an analogy: is I've um, I've done mushrooms before, like um, psychedelic mushrooms. And I've uh, thank you for that. I guess that's heresy now. It's in, it's in the Nicene it's in the Nice Creed. Do not yeah. do mushrooms. Psilocybin yeah, like- is, is off limits um but and i've had i've had like really positive experiences where it's like yeah we all are connected we are one i i there's literally no difference between me and this earth like and you feel it and you sense it like and i've had a really really bad experience where uh and i and i say bad in quotes because i should probably say it was a really uncomfortable hellish experience and i i literally didn't i had like a disconnect from who I was as a person, like I, I thought that um, everything that I had experienced before was non-existent. Uh, like my wife, my daughter, they didn't exist, and I had this disconnect. in In the midst of that, like meeting Satan, and then so I say bad because it was really uncomfortable, and there was like this existential dread. But looking back on it, I feel like I had to learn something. Hmm. Like I had to learn that. Uh, one thing I took away was that, uh, <laughs> evil runs right through us. So if there's a Satan and we're going to get into this in our metaphysical, later in our metaphysical series, I believe, and I'll give you a little teaser that, that, that runs right down the middle of us. Like we, it's something that we can either live, lean into or reject mm. this, sa- this satanic thing. Um, and I also felt like if this is a state of being, if, if, um, C.S. Lewis was right and the gates of hell are locked from the inside. Based on my experience of just doing mushrooms, I'd say no, because if hell is like disconnected from everything, like no one would choose to stay there because it was dreadfully uncomfortable. So I would just happen to venture to guess that if someone has that a hellish experience, they're, they're, they're having this experience to learn something, but it doesn't necessarily prove your theology. I think then you're, you're, um, interpreting your experiences through your already uh, assumed doctrines and then like confirming your biases rather than, um, maybe seeing a positive to it. Cause in the midst of like, when I had this experience, it was really uncomfortable in the midst of someone having a hellish NDE, it's probably really uncomfortable, but maybe on the other side of even that there is still something to learn from that.
2: Yeah, Mm -hmm. I was going to, I wanted to ask you, Matt, um, so when you had this negative hellish experience and you met Satan, was this at a point in your life spiritually where you believed in hell and you believed in Satan?
0: No, actually, I didn't. This That's was weird. like, um, yeah, this was after a deconstruction of sorts, but um, but experientially, I felt like I had to have this experience to see really what what the hell I'm talking about because I say so I already had, had already stopped believing in hell and Satan. And I had the theology that said, no, if there is some sort of hell, it's for us to learn from. It's purgatorial. It's patristic, universalistic in mm-hmm. a way, you know, mm-hmm. so that whole kind of thing. And and I believed Satan was not this ontological being at that time. But I, I had done that based on like exegetical and philosophical work and not necessarily experiential. So for me, it was much more powerful to, it's a different type of knowing. It's like, wow. Um. Actually, yeah, I feel like I really as close to anyone can say they met Satan. I was like, yeah, I had to look into It was like looking into a mirror in the worst possible you and this mm-hmm. is what you would be like. And mm-hmm. and you it's not you it's not who you are, no. but we're going to we're going to have this simulation where you're not going to know anything else and say this is who I am so that you can when you do re- when you <laughs> when you, when you're not tripping after, you know, <laughs> you can reflect and say, "Wow, that's okay." This well, is something I had to mm-hmm. learn. So I'm thinking like if someone dies and comes back and they had to learn something uncomfortable, I'd be, I, that makes sense to me.
3: Well, I'll tell you what there, I've yeah. had moments in my own life where in dark nights of the soul, so to speak. Sure. When I literally felt like it was like, I felt terrorized by demonic forces. This was back when I was still in the world still, you know, so I did have huh. a belief in in, in those things. But I know that now to be, I was confronted with my own shadow sure. and I was dealing with that and that felt very, and of course, you know, we're always, as people, we're, you know, we're, we're constantly creating metaphors and stories and, you know, that kind of thing. And that's, I believe what myth is a lot of times, you know, when we tell mythical stories, we're, we're trying to explain a re- a deeper reality um, that we're putting in story format. So that, that'll that take us in a whole different direction with Satan, demons and all that kind of thing. But nevertheless, I think that can also explain experiences, hellish experiences, but I've had hell, hellish experiences in this and I haven't <laughs> had any, you know, so it's like, <laughs> right? it's, it, 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 so we have to just remember that <clears throat> life is all there is. So this idea of life after death, well, that's even the statement life after death is a presumption of the illusion as being, <laughs> even though it's not conscious it, what we're doing is we're we're presuming that we are physical beings and we're not mm-hmm. we are having a physical experience but we are we are spirit mm-hmm. so when when we are spiritual beings the dimensions of spirit like time and space are non-existent so so this this is something to keep in mind with the whole thing it's interesting also when we talk about DMT so i want to mention this too is with folks who have done DMT
0: Oh, that's yeah. like, that's like mushrooms on cocaine. That's yeah, totally. that's like next level mushrooms. Like,
3: yeah, right? I mean, so when, but, yeah. Totally. When you do psilocybin mus- mushrooms or, you know, DMT or things like that. Okay. This is in under therapeutic uh, settings. They actually have done studies where people who have, you know, done mushrooms specifically under a therapeutic setting, a lot of the trauma, if someone's gone through a lot of trauma, totally. So what would take a lot of time in therapy to process, work through, Um, can really be sped up under this process because what you're doing is you're bypassing the normal mind and the brain. And so this, there's a theory that the brain is a filter of consciousness. Okay. Now that we know the brain doesn't create consciousness, which is really kind of an archaic, even though some scientists still believe that it is really more of an, I would call that that's going, that's actually in the scientific world that's on its way out because we know enough about consciousness, especially with the breakthroughs in quantum science to know that the brain does not create consciousness. The brain is a filter of consciousness, which means consciousness is not physical. It's spiritual. We've known this for a long time in the spiritual world, but in the f- actual, in the scientific world, we're, we're understanding because of precisely there's been some studies done on and on, on folks who have had near death experiences and the, the DMT process. So yeah, your brain does release DMT at the moment of death. Um, also, when you do DMT in life, you could take the drug or whatever, and you can have literally an NDE experience. But what I believe, here's my understanding of what's happening is that the filter that your brain is, your, your brain is filtering out consciousness. So it, it, that's the only way we can have a coherent experience here in this world. Because by the way, you can't be aware of everything at the same time, or else you'd be, you'd be much for our brains to the the computing capacity it's the way you know it is like as soon as you want a certain car like for me i'm i got my eye on teslas well i see them everywhere well where were they before i had my eye on them well they were still there i just didn't see them So, so now that my consciousness is aware of something it's there but like how many things exist for us to be aware of everything exists but we can't be aware of that but when you do dmt or something like that the filter of your brain is taken away to such an extent that you become aware of literally what's happening <laughs> and the yeah. way and i don't think it's a it's not a hallucin it's not a hallucination from a drug-induced hallucination the reason that we know this is because people multiple people separate individual people have taken dmt and have all had the same experience like they were all in the same area and saw the same stuff so you can't manufacture hallucination hallucinations beyond a person and like so a group of people all at the same time had their blind their filters taken off and they all had this vision of something yeah. that shows you, okay, yeah, they're seeing that shit, the non-reality.
0: That shit is crazy that there's DMT in ayahuasca, which I yeah. think is a similar it's a very similar or or actually has DMT in it. Is so similar, the experiences are so similar to what a lot of people report as NDEs. Like it's tr- it it trips me out, man. I gotta be honest, it does trip me out.
3: Yeah, it's very interesting. There's a whole world out there, man. There's a whole world out there beyond this one.
0: Yeah, a whole new world. Are we allowed to a whole say that? Whole new
3: world, whole or, new world. We- and we can live from there right now too, though. That's the cool thing about these NDE experiences.
0: All right, oh. we're so we're all going to we're all going to Peru as soon as this uh this this <laughs> this, this coronavirus is lifted. We're all going down to Peru and finding a shaman and
2: doing no, some DMT. No, no but we we, possess it.
3: we can we possess it though. We possess that realm. I believe uh, it. I, 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 think I think
2: just that's... want the FBI to know I am not in possession of any of these substances.
3: <laughs> you are, and your
0: pineal gland I think has DMT in it, man. So we're yeah. walking around with fucking Schedule One uh, uh, psychedelic.
2: Yeah, you're under arrest.
0: That's just sure tricky, that? man. Anyway, yes, this has been a fun one. I like this. Actually, I actually like this. I didn't have. I didn't feel like I had too much to say, but um, if I, I think it'd be it'd be cool. Like if you are comfortable with it. Um, hit us up like in, in one of our Facebook groups, heresy after hours, or if you join Patreon, you can get into the heresy or heretic after or heretic happy hour podcast group on Facebook. And if you have like an NDE or know someone and you're comfortable sharing it, like, I think that'd be, that'd be cool if you, uh, if you wrote that out. Let us know, or even call the uh, the hotline and and let us know if you've had one of those. I think it'd be cool to extend this conversation. And uh, yeah, before I go, got to remind you we have a a, a website HereticHappyHour.com. dot com. We got a store on there. F- I fuck if I know how shipping's going to go right now with Amazon. <laughs> and my, I don't know, but but if you want to get on that, you know, make sure you get you you get some. Uh, check out our store. We've got pillows. Uh, we've got hats. We've got shirts, of course. So uh, HereticHappyHour.com. dot com, and of course you. Um, you get to stay up to date with, uh, with new episodes.
2: Right. And you know what? Um, if you're worried about like, Hey, you want to, you want to buy some really cool books by some of these, uh, amazing choir authors and, and you're worried about like, well, what if I do order it and then Amazon doesn't ship it to me? Well, you know what? You can download an ebook. Cause like right now, this is the best possible Boom. time because, uh, Boom. we are doing, we started our April foolishness a little bit early, uh, just because people are, you know, sequestered and, you know, in the quarantine phase right now. And so we decided, you know what? We're going to take like 20 titles. Uh, choir, our publisher um, took 20 titles. And uh, there are 20 choir titles right now on Amazon, 99 cents each. Oh my gosh, it's so great. So I yes. I can't read all of them, but I'm just going to say real quick, our books, me and Matt and Jamal, our books are a part of the deal. Uh, so you can, you can find those 99 cents, uh, Kindle, but also some other amazing books. Um, all I Once Held by Galen Sword. Also her book, Dear Me, um, Beauty and the Wreckage by Brandon Andrus, a killer book, Apparent uh, Faith by Carl Forehand, uh, Divine Echoes by Mark Harris, um, Meg Calvin's book, I Am My Own Sanctuary, great, great book, uh, The Multiplication of Elmer Witt by Carson Kip, uh, Saying No to God, oh my gosh, freaking amazing book uh, by Matthew Reeves Corman, um, so many. One Greater Than Moses, by the way, I love that book, that is a great book by Heather Kendall. Uh, there's a book called sustainable church by Walt Russell and shame. Uh, and one of our heretics of the week, Josh Rogie was on and, uh, talked about his book, his book, shame also. So again, 20 books. Uh, that's not even all of them. There's more than that, but you'll go check it out, uh, on Amazon 99 cents. I mean, you can load yourself up, get your Kindle loaded up for, uh, for the apocalypse basically. (laughs) My soul cries out. Hallelujah. Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. I see that hand. Yes. And uh, and and one last thing, um, if you love the Heretic Happy Hour and who doesn't, and you can't get enough, um, you know what? For just uh, as little as two dollars a month or more, uh, you can unlock bonus content. Uh, we we record bonus uh, ep- episodes, bonus material, bonus interviews, um, lots of cool stuff available through the Patreon page. And as a as a result of that, as your support, you also unlock access to the exclusive. Uh, heretic happier group on facebook so check that out on patreon.com slash heretic happier
3: yes yes and um breaking news even though um it's the weekend when we're recording this uh breaking news um we are now on itunes so i have heard that it's very effective and very helpful if people if our listeners would go to itunes and rate us and review us it helps with the the exposure of the podcast and uh, so if you're listening to this and you haven't done that please do that
2: five stars yes
3: five, oh, five stars. stars five stars five
0: only five stars,
2: stars. oh and, yeah steps. Steps.
0: you got to balance out some of the one stars
3: <laughs> please <laughs> Matt. i think you,
4: Matt, I'm, I'm, yes. I'm
0: responsible for one of them
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so i hear
2: damn <laughs>